As we continue our NFL draft breakdowns, we are reviewing the NFC South today, getting to the NFC side of things, starting in the South, the Panthers, the Falcons. We've got the number one overall pick in this division, the Saints, the Bucks. What is the outlook now in 2023 and beyond with the new draft classes of the NFC South coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. As we do, Matt, as we've been taking a, a peek at these drafts, post-draft, did a little deeper dive, di- going division by division, team by yeah. team, every post-2023 uh, draft class here. We've also taken a peek at the uh, salary cap situations for, for these teams. And uh, is, are there any themes for the NFC South as it pertains to the cap? Yeah, uh, hopefully everyone had a great Mother's Day weekend. We had every all the moms here. That was tremendous. We had a good time yesterday just hanging on the jack deck and chilling. Um NFC South cap situation. Yeah, there are a couple interesting things. So as it sits today for 2023, the Falcons and Saints are fine. They're kind of middle of the road. The Panthers have the second most space as we speak. They have 27 million. So my hunch is they plan on rolling a lot of that over to next year because I I can't see them going and getting DeAndre Hopkins or Chase Young or, you know, I I don't know if that's their MO right now. Who knows? But Tampa is last right now in salary cap space. They have under a million dollars. So that's a little alarming considering you still have to sign your draft picks. I mean, you'd like to take five, six, seven into the season for in-season moves. But unlike a lot of rebuilding teams, they do have the Vita Veas and Worfs and Evans and Godwins and stars that I'm sure that they can restructure, you know, to, to get out of this. So that's sort of interesting. But then when we look at next year, Tampa has $32 million, which is fine. You could probably move some money around, chip out of that to get out of it now. But I would think you'd want a lot of money in your cap space next year if you're Tampa because you're probably in the quarterback market. The Saints, as usual, have minus $56 million, <laughs> as that's, usual. That's like $100 million more than they usually have. Yeah, it's not so bad. Season. So they're, they're only just 30th starting, in the league. Starting to take their medicine a little bit. And yeah, you know, they were still and, able to add Derek Carr this offseason, even though they're even more right. over the cap coming into the year. So um, we, we know how the Saints do, and the, the cap is not completely fake, but it's not completely real as it pertains to the uh, the New Orleans Saints. And I, I do think that some it did affect them, even though they've done a great job of you know not letting it affect them too much, but, right. but clearly it's a situation where the cap hasn't been super friendly to them, even though they're the best at manipulating it. And now that they have 16 million this year, maybe they can chip away a little at next year's too, and not right. be as in bad a shape as usual. Mm-hmm. The Panthers, as I mentioned, have a ton right now and 55 for next year, which is 11th. So they should be buyers. You know, they don't have a first round pick next year. They should be in pretty nice situation next off season to go get things they want. 
And the Falcons are in pretty good shape too. They got 42 million. So all in all, pretty healthy cap situations, except for the Bucks right now and the Saints going forward as usual. And of course, with the Panthers using their resources, uh, their draft resources to go up to number one, we'll talk about the number one pick and the rest of the Panthers draft class. So that allows them to supplement their first pick next year, even though they don't have a number one pick, they'll have cap space to do so instead, which is probably part of the calculus there for uh, what they're doing and building this thing and, and deciding to move up. And they had some extra picks to allow them to move up in this year's class. But we're going alphabetical, which means the Atlanta Falcons are up first. And um, anybody who listens to this program, shout out to the everydayers once again. They know how I feel about running backs and building your team around running backs in the NFL. So it's tough for me to give the Atlanta Falcons a huge grade when you start off your draft class with the top 10 running back. That is, even if it is the best running back in this class and the best one we've seen in a little while here, number eight overall, B. John Robinson running back out of Texas. I've warmed up to it a little more, not because I greatly condone running backs in the first round. I'm a little wishy-washy on it. I'm not as strong on my stance as you are. But the more fifth-year option talk we have, the more I think if you could get this guy as his fifth-year option, assuming he is good, which don't assume that in the fifth-year option world. I think we've taught you guys that over the last couple of weeks, that if he's seven, eight million, you know, and you get a five-year rental of him, maybe franchise him on top of that. I don't hate it because he really is special. <laughs> I mean, the more I watch him, I'm more I'm blown away with how good he is. The So one of the ways I look at it with the Falcons especially is they showed us last year how you can draft a fifth-round starting right. running back. You know what I mean? And so, like, how much better is Bijan going to be in the running game than, you know, than what, they, they were good at running the football last year. That wasn't mm -hmm. the reason why they were drafting number eight was because they couldn't run the ball, right? Um, but what's he going to do in the passing game is the real key here, right? And right, how dynamic right. is he there, which is going to produce some value. And then it comes back to the war of attrition. So if, if, the, if a running back is really great receiver, it's like, oh, cool, he's more valuable, but he's a good runner too. So he's going to get 20 touches. So he's going to get hurt. So he can't be valuable as a pass catcher anymore because he's going to be injured because he used him still as a running back, you know? So it's like this circular thing when it comes to running back, even when they're valuable, they're not valuable. And then the attrition and then the replacement level is so high there. So, you know, altogether, Bijan, like the evaluation is easy. Of course, Bijan Robinson, one of the most, most talented football players in the class. Of and course. so you, right, right. you got that. And I'm, I'm sure he's going to be a hit and a good player for the Falcons, does it add W's to their team going forward in the long-term build is my question there, um, but a really good player. And so, you know, have fun Falcons fans watching Bijan, you know, because when you're a fan, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. On players to root for if I'm a Falcons fan. Yeah. I mean, he certainly makes you want to go to the stadium and, you know, 12 year old son wants a Bijan Jersey right now. I'm sure, you know, and I'm going to take him really high in fantasy and all those things. And a lot, I do think I always talk about the nest, the quarterback nest, whether it's Ritter or somebody to insert next year. I think that's a really soft nest in Atlanta. Yeah. And it helps when you follow up that pick in the first round with your second round selection exactly. of Syracuse offensive lineman, Matthew Bergeron. And if I'm not mistaken, he was announced as a guard and there was some talk if he would stick a tackle in the, in the NFL or if he would move inside, and I think he can be a really good interior offensive lineman. Could probably play tackle as well, but it sounds like he's right. going to go the interior route there with the Falcons, uh, with the early pick in the in the second round. Matthew Bergeron, like that selection, great value and a, and a really good player for the Falcons in round two. I love the fit too. I like the player coming in, and I like the fit. Uh, they had four fifths of their line set with one guard spot open. 
but I don't know how long the two tackles will be there. So yes, he's going to be a starting guard immediately unless he falls on his face and always can kick out to left tackle if Matthews retires or whatever, you know? So I I like that the, you know, the future might not be inside, but the present is and his play demeanor and nastiness fits the way they play really well. They're going to the year 10 for Jake Matthews, by the way. Yeah, right, right. First round pick in 2014. So you got Matthews at left tackle. You probably have Bergeron sliding in at left guard. And who knows, maybe that's a short-term thing. He does kick out to offensive tackle eventually in his career. You've got the the Matt Hennessy, Drew Dahlman thing happening at center. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it sounds like Drew Dahlman might be the guy at center going forward now, the 2021 pick instead of the 2020 pick. Uh, Chris Lidstrom at at right guard and Caleb McGarry, who was re-upped and brought back by the team as a free agent in the offseason 2019 first-round pick. So they got three first-rounders, now a second-rounder on that offensive line. Uh, Nice little unit there. Nice little running game. And, you know, obviously with with Tyler uh, Algier, the the fifth-rounder last year, and Bijan, they fit together as well. And, you know, Cordero and, like, they they just – they have – tons of talent there behind that offensive line to try to help make Desmond Ritter's job easy, which is what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So you talk about a nest and if, if drafting a first round running back, and I would still argue drafting a first round offensive tackle, you know, if that's the case, if you're trying to, or receivers, if you're trying to help your running back or if you're trying to help your quarterback, I would still go a different direction than running back, but it still could help their quarterback Desmond Ritter. And if you, I guess that could have been Skoronsky and he could be the guard, maybe tackle down the road too, you know? (laughs) And, um, so, you know, Matt Collins to go with Drake London, to go with Kyle Pitts, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, did they draft a receiver? They did not draft a wide receiver. They we didn't. didn't their draft class here. But uh, anyway, you, you just talk about that running game and up front. Things look well. The 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 development of that passing game, though, with Pitts, London, and obviously Ritter is going to be huge for this team going forward. One little nugget, too, is that you mentioned Bijan as a detached receiver. I do think we'll see a lot of that. And I have mixed feelings about it because we've already seen this parade, but I've also heard Cordero Patterson might do more wide receiver things. I'm like, he finally found a home. He wasn't a good receiver. I, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> he, <laughs> you know? he was always so dynamic coming out of Tennessee. I remember watching right. him. He was such a great returner. Oh, like two plus and 225 pounds, but he runs like this. And after the catch and really, you know, it's kind of like the Debo Samuel thing. You realize, oh, he's just as much a running back as he is a receiver and for Patterson even more because he was never great Absolutely. at doing the receivery stuff. And so um, it'll be interesting. But I, I think one of the things you do is hopefully they keep Bijan healthy by not running him into the ground. It's like, okay, you have, right, right, right. like I would have no problem if Bijan Robinson isn't even on the field on first downs, which is kind of insane yeah. to say about a running back that you drafted in the top 10. I mean, even a 12 carries a game and eight targets. Okay. Yeah. Or you know. 12 targets and eight carries. <laughs> right, right, right. Especially if you're uh, losing, which they might be. Right. And so, you know, the, you can see how some things could go well. Let's see how that passing game turns out mm-hmm. with Desmond Ritter there for the Falcons. But, um, you know, I, I don't know how we feel about this team on the defensive side of the ball. Let's look at the rest of their right. draft class next. We'll talk about the Panthers draft, of course, the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers here reviewing the draft classes and, and looking ahead to 2023 a little bit here for the NFC South next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's all about the no sweat first bet. When you sign up at FanDuel, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet 
doesn't win. There's no better place to get in on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book and uh, tons of fun playoff series in the NBA, tons of fun playoff series in the NHL as well. Of course, Major League Baseball will be going every day all summer long. And there's football futures as well. You can still bet on the, the next Super Bowl winner in the NFL in 2023 the next MVP, the next coach of the year. Uh, so many prop bets as well for the for the season as far as sacks and, and rushing yards and B. John Robinson, rookie of the year, right? So uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get in on all of it and get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, here we go. Finish up this class. We spent a lot of time with the first couple picks here for the Atlanta Falcons in their 2023 draft class. They came back in round three. Zach Harrison, a uh, really big time recruit to Ohio State defensive end, looks the part, never really came together. Can they figure it out there in Atlanta? They spent a third round pick on him, hoping that they can get themselves a, uh, a big end and potentially a do it all. And can he figure it out as a pass rusher is the question. Clark Phillips, cornerback out of Utah in round four, and then they came back with two seven. Seventh round picks, no fifth or sixth rounders. DeMarco Hellams, uh, Alabama safety, and Jovan Gwynn, South Carolina offensive guard in round seven. They're back-to-back picks, by the way, in round seven to finish it up for the Atlanta Falcons. By the way, three Alabama safeties drafted this year. Man. Oh, wow. I didn't think of that. Crazy. Um, let's just focus real quick on Harrison and Phillips to me. Uh, you mentioned the defense. Did they do enough? Probably not, but considering that they probably had the worst defensive personnel in the league a year ago, it's a lot better now. You know, they, they use some money out there, you know, Calais Campbell and Bates. I'm kind of wishy-washy on the Harrison pick, but the Phillips pick might be my favorite. I mean, probably just a pure slot corner, but a really, really good one. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really opposite picks there you know so yeah, you go right, right. six six two seventy four zach harrison five-star recruit and you think man this guy's got a super high ceiling but then i think well if you're a five-star you went to maybe the best defensive line coach in the country at ohio state and they're pumping <laughs> out first round picks yeah. like nothing and you couldn't figure it out over the course of your career it, you know is it just not there is that mm-hmm. ceiling actually kind of a false ceiling, right? Is it? Is it right? Not right, right, right. So we'll we'll see. Uh, but I do like you know there there are some reps on tape. You're like, okay, it's it's you know it's easy to get excited when you see someone like that with all the length. And I do think he can be just you know a pretty good run defender, even if he's not a you know a great third down pass rusher in the NFL. And then you have Clark Phillips, who's the opposite. He's five nine, one eighty four, and just a really good player. And you love him on tape, but he doesn't have the you know all the all the measurables that you would want to be drafted high, but I bet he ends up being a really good slot defender in the NFL. Yeah, I totally agree. So overall, you know, I, I, I can't give the Atlanta Falcons a huge grade here. I would have liked to see them do more on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and of course, you know, starting it off with the top 10 running back. I just don't think that's how you build a football team in the year of our Lord, 2023. So I'm not going to give a high grade to the Atlanta Falcons, but there were some picks to like, especially Bergeron and Phillips. And I'd probably say Bergeron's my favorite and really completes their offensive line. So that's going to help everybody on the offense with a, with a really good offensive line. It allows you to do what you need to do as an offense in the NFL. Lastly, I know we spent a ton of time on the Falcons. I mean, I bet just speaking for you, what if they were taking Skaronsky at eight and Charbonnet at 38 or, Van Ness at eight and Tank Bigsby at 75. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the way you kind of have to look at it. I love Bijan. I'm not going to kill it for kill him for that. But it, 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 there's other 
ways to build that puzzle. It's only really a four man class, but I kind of give them a B B minus. I, I I would I would bet that they went through that scenario and they of thought, course. you know yeah, what? Yeah. We like Bijan and Bergeron better than Skaronsky mm-hmm. and Charbonnet because we don't think there's as big of a gap since Skaronsky is going to be a guard anyway. We don't think there's that big right. of a gap between those two offensive linemen as there is between the running backs. And, I understand and I it. Yeah. that. But I also wouldn't even probably take Charbonnet in the second. So, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, I would have got you know defensive line there, or you know, mm-hmm. to, and then go third round running back maybe, or fourth round running back, or seventh round running back. Uh, I, I would have not worried about running back period if I was about I that's the because they have backs and it's look knock on the wood i wish i could wave a magic wand and and make it so nfl running backs don't get hurt because that would change oh sure 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 right and he's gonna be a fun player so have fun falcons fans don't worry about my bad grade and i'm sure they're not (laughs) i'm sure they're not right (laughs) the uh the carolina panthers (laughs) you have to factor in the future picks that they gave up to go get bryce young at number one and matt i don't know if you saw the clip or there well yeah they gave up yeah they gave up a ton um but I don't know if you saw the the clips because you know rookie mini camps around the league this weekend, and there was a clip of Bryce Young, and you know they're standing there getting. I think it was he was getting ready to take his first snap. I think that's what it was. I saw a tweet and it was like a video. I was like, here's Bryce Young's first snap in practice as a Carolina Panther, and the offensive linemen are standing up and they're getting ready to run their play, and I'm like, uh, Bryce Young's first snap. Where is he? Oh, he's standing behind the offensive lineman. You can't see him. He's can't got a bright red jersey on, and you don't even know he's there until the offensive lineman bend over to get in their stance. And you're like, oh, there's Bryce Young. He was standing behind the offensive lineman, like a true wall. Um, it, he looks small. He looks even oh, smaller tiny. than the NFL, which is probably not surprising. He looks smaller than he did uh, in college football. So, you know, you, you traded up the number one. You gave everything, future picks and current picks, and your star wide receiver and DJ Moore to go up to number one to draft a – outlier of a 5 10 190 pound quarterback and he looks small in the nfl so uh, and and he was i you know you watch the tape he was the best quarterback right but oh yeah you're, you're taking a big chance if you're the carolina panthers so you know obviously uh, a franchise changing draft class and it will be fascinating to follow bryce young's career yeah and trust me i get it i'm sure this comes from you know mr tepper that we're gonna go get our quarterback whether you guys like it or not i don't care what the cost is you know, that's how I do business, go big or go home, you know, like watching an episode of Billions. And I've made my my thoughts very clear on Bryce Young. I adore everything about the guy except for his size. And he's not for me. And maybe I'll be wrong, but don't tell me I'm wrong in October when he's, you know, five games in. Let's have this conversation in two, three years and see if he can hold up for season after season. I just really have my doubts, and it makes me feel old to take that stand. So you're old, curmudgeon old scout. You know, <laughs> he's tiny. And, yeah, so you, how good is he going to – was he that guy? You know, I, I see if you're trying to go up and get Trevor Lawrence or, you know, next mm-hmm. year that team's fighting to go get uh, right. William Both Dugan, those guys, right, right, right. You know, Derek May. But – is he that guy? And even if he hits, you're like, oh, cool. We got it. It's like Josh Allen and uh, it's Lamar Jackson. And right, right, it's, right. you know, forget even Patrick Mahomes. And then Bryce Young. Are you are you expecting he's going to be there? Because that's what you think by this move. And, and mm-hmm. we're going to get to the NFC North tomorrow. And I'm a little bit of a tough grader. I'm not trying to, you know, make Falcons fans mad, talking bad about drafting a running back or make Panthers fans mad about going up and, and getting Bryce Young. You want to get good football players. And if they got good football players, they're going to be really happy with their, their draft classes. But, you know, talking about process, and I look at process, and I'm just thinking, man, 
I don't love the process of the first picks for either one of these two teams so far. And uh, Bryce Young has to be like, you really think you're, you, you think you traded up for Joe Montana, basically, right? That's, right, right, right. That's what you think you just did in getting Bryce Young. And it's hard for me to, to, to buy that and say that I believe that they also did that, but we'll see what Bryce Young ends up looking like. Cause he is a really good player, but it, when we're grading this thing out for tomorrow, we're going to get to the NFC North. Like I, the, the bears won that trade, not the Panthers as, as to me right now, as far as process. That's a great way of looking at it. And I've never thought of that angle that just the, I hope Bryce Young plays every snap of his career. I'm not rooting for him to get hurt. But if he does, can he be a top six, seven, eight quarterback even then? I don't know. You know, I, I'm not certain of that either. It's right. not like just if he yeah. hits his ceiling, where where is he? Is he just right. ahead of the cousins tier of quarterbacks? Or is he like, okay, it's he's just a little smaller version of right. which he, he got compared to um Patrick Mahomes a lot in the draft process. Is he just a little smaller Patrick Mahomes than you're doing backflips through the Panthers? Right, you know, right. No matter how many of the you know players and picks he gave up for. Him. Can he be as good as Justin Herbert? I lean towards no. And that's the thing. You start right, stacking right. up. Well, even if he's, you know, because Michael Vick wasn't the biggest guy, but oh my gosh, dynamic arm right. and dynamic athletic ability. And, and Bryce Young doesn't even have that dynamic arm or, you know, he's pretty athletic right, right, right. in his good arm, but, you know, he doesn't have that physical trait. You're like, wow, even if he hits, he's going to be on this tier. So that's where it starts to get a little bit more difficult for me. Like you mentioned Josh Allen. I didn't like Josh Allen coming out. I hated him after his rookie year or so, but he still had a superpower. You know, right. I mean, you, you could right. still, I can still write a story where, wow, this guy's awful to play against. And I understand Young does all the little things extremely, extremely well. Anticipation, seeing the field, all that. But I don't know if he can be as good as Justin Herbert. Yeah. And you, and you just look at past Alabama quarterbacks too. And you're like, Doesn't okay, you, when you're on a, when you're in a great program, you get helped and you get to the NFL and you realize how much more difficult things are. When you're not playing for Alabama, you know, Ohio State, same oh, okay. things happening there with the Ohio State quarterbacks. Um, so moving on from Bryce Young, look, good player. I like the pick. I would I would have, I would give him a plus if they got him at nine trading up for him. It's a little bit harder for me. And and he's got to really, really, really hit. And he's got to be a maximum of his physical tools, basically. Um, and then Jonathan Mingo in round two was a round three guy that they drafted too high because he's more of a gadget player. So I don't think you even got a true number one or even the possibility of a true number one for your young quarterback. But what you got was a player that you can feed the ball to in a lot of different ways. He's going to be a pro. Is he a number two or a number three, which is the key for Jonathan Mingo in the NFL? Because um, if he ends up being sort of just like, a, okay, he's kind of a number two slash three receiver, then, you know, you, you there was other ways to go that high in the second round to go find yourself a, a difference maker for either your quarterback or your football team. So, you know, if we're, if we're playing the value game, I think really there was only one pick in the entire group for the Carolina Panthers that I felt really good about. We're like, Oh, okay. I've just, you got a really good player at a, at a value spot or actually two, I would say. And, and those would be the last two picks, by the way, third round, yeah, I kind of like those two third round for the, the Panthers, DJ Johnson projectable, you know, uh project edge rusher out of Oregon. And then my, my two favorite picks that I was talking about there, Chandler Zavala, NC state guard in round four. And then Jamie Robinson, who is a safety out of Florida State in round five, an undersized, really scrappy safety, could play the slot. It's going to be a core special teamer for you, I'm sure, and I think he's going to be a starting player eventually, whether it's slot or even a, a safety in the NFL, potentially, just because of the way he plays, uh, like watching Jamie Robinson play. So interesting draft class. I like their last two picks on from a value perspective much better than their first three picks. But, of course, it's all about the quarterback. 
Yeah, we'll wrap it up quick here. But Johnson doesn't really move the needle for me in the third round. I thought he was overdrafted. Zavalia has some injury stuff, but I like that you're pairing him with another NC State guy. Last year's first round pick, Icky. Keep him, you know, in that area of the country, and it might work out well for you. Robinson would help any defense exactly the way you said. Um, I like Mingo a little more than you do, but he wouldn't have been in my top 39 players. He went 39th. I do like the idea of drafting a quarterback and then drafting a receiver high picket and pickings or, you know, those type of things, bring them in together, let them learn the world together. And, you know, I think there is some value to that. I do want to say on Mingo, I I really like Mingo. And I, I was like, man, someone's going to get a steal of a fourth round player in Mingo. That's what I thought about him. It was like, okay, well, he went all the way up to, you know, in the top, early second top 50 picks right so the eighth pick in round two for jonathan mingo and i think he got helped because it was such a small wide receiver class and he's actually 620 but if you're thinking you just snagged aj brown out of old miss i don't think that's what jonathan mingo is but i do like see and that's what's funny is like i liked jonathan mingo more than consensus but i didn't like him this much and so mm-hmm. that's why it's like you know he's around too high which is you know whatever if he turns out to be the guy they hope then it doesn't matter you know you don't care if you got him around earlier because he's worth the slot that you got him and we'll see if he ends up being that but i just i just don't think there's a path to him being a, a true outside number one you know type of, of wide receiver and maybe it doesn't matter anymore maybe i'm maybe oh that's God. me being too old here and thinking oh he's not an outside <laughs> receiver so he can't be that valuable enough to draft in the top 50 because he's a slot guy and a gadget guy we'll see I'm a fan, but I thought 39 was pretty rich. Okay, next we've got the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafts from 2023. Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to the everydayers. We're going to continue on. we got three more divisions in the NFC to, to deep dive into every pick from the NFL draft, division by division, player by player, team by team, and of course, we've got you covered all off-season long and in the on-season as well. I mean, come on, right here, every day, Peacock and Williamson. All right, here we go, Matt. New Orleans Saints. How are we feel about this New Orleans Saints draft class? New Orleans Saints are just a weird franchise. They um, are. I think they did a nice job here. Kind of moving back a couple picks. Ended up with Brian Brzee, a uh, defensive tackle out of Clemson late in round one. Isaiah Foskey, another defensive lineman, an end out of Notre Dame in round two. Uh, In round three, Kendra Miller running back out of TCU. Uh, And actually, let's just go through this whole class because, man, I loved what the, the New Orleans Saints did on day three of the draft. They, they've got three of my favorite players in this class on day three. They started it by moving up to the first pick on day three in the fourth round, getting Nick Saldaveri, Old Dominion offensive tackle. I mean, he took snaps inside uh, at the senior bowl, even snapped the ball at center a little bit, but I think he can stick at tackle at right tackle where he played at Old Dominion. So, um, but really a versatile player could be a, you know, swing tackle, a, a valuable sub in year one, but I think he's going to be a starter in the NFL somewhere, uh, whether it be tackle guard or who knows, maybe even center in the NFL for the Saints. So love the pick out of Old Dominion, Nick Saldaveri in round four. Jake Hayner, kind of a little high. I thought he was going to end up being more of a sixth yep. round pick. But Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, if there's a, a quote-unquote Brock Purdy in this class, I think it's him. You know, he's got moxie. He's got toughness. He can throw the football well enough to stick in the NFL. Probably a long-term backup, but who knows? If he's starting games at some point, uh, you know, post Derek Carr for the Saints, I won't be completely shocked. You know, there's a lot to like about Jake Hayner and the way he plays the quarterback position, even though, even though he's not a big, height, weight, speed, you know, monster 
you got Jordan Howden, uh, safety out of Minnesota in round five, and then A.T. Perry, who I think has a chance to be a starting X wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's your classic. Uh, this is the way I described A.T. Perry pre-draft, Matt, out of Wake Forest. He's 6'3", 198. He's a he's a 1990s wide receiver, and they're kind of going okay. the way yeah. Yeah. Like you know, he wins the ball on the outside, wins the ball yeah. down the field. He's a good route runner, kind of a tall, skinny receiver. He ran four fours. I mean, what's not to like about a guy who's Got some speed. He's 6'3", almost 6'4", 198 pounds. He's not the biggest guy, but, you know, he's got ball skills. He can win the ball down the field, but he's a pretty good route runner and and smooth out of his breaks as well. So uh, to get that kind of a player in the sixth round, I'm all about it. I I didn't really grade. We just talked about Jonathan Mingo. I thought the grade between Mingo and Perry certainly wasn't round six to round two. I thought it was maybe round three and round four, right? So uh, fantastic day three, in my opinion, for the New Orleans Saints and now that I think about it, Matt, this is kind of a weird way to look at it. But physically, is Bryce Young more impressive than Jake Hayner? No, less. There we go. Why, why <laughs> number one pick on Bryce Young? We get Jake Hayner in the <laughs> late fourth round, too, by the way. So Hayner was my favorite of those mid late round picks, and all of them went earlier than I thought at the quarterback position. I'm with you on Perry. I thought he was a fourth-round pick, maybe even sneaks into day two. Would it shock us two years from now if Perry, Alave, and is it Chaziz, the undrafted rookie from last year? I, I, I think I'm killing his name. But they may be the three starting receivers that they got out of two draft classes. So I like I mean, that a lot. Those are dynamic. That's a dynamic yeah, it's pretty good. of downfield receivers, too. Like, Yeah, know, absolutely. Car wants to uncork it down the field, and that's the way they're going to play this thing. Uh, Perry and, and Olave can go win the ball down the field. Absolutely. Uh, Saldaveri was my favorite pick. I think he'll be an NFL starting offensive lineman. I don't know what spot. Um, I did a ton of Brise work because I really thought he was in play for the Steelers at 17. And not because of the Steeler connection, but he reminded me a lot of Cam Hayward. But there's room for error there. You know, I mean, just uh, he came on late. His early tape scary. I think he's a great value at 29, and their defensive tackle room was horrendous before the draft. Um, Foskey at 40, fine. He's their type of end, though. Big power player. That's their style. And Miller just screams, Kamara's going to get suspended, and you know he may be the heir apparent. He's going really high in dynasty drafts, too, which I'm a little wishy-washy on. So it sounds like we really liked the Saints draft compared to the other drafts in this division so far. Well done. I think so. I mean, they didn't pick as high, but of course, you know, right. Well, right. Yeah. But with what they were given and they moved around right, a right. lot to find their, their guys, you know, um, it, they made three I, starting linemen in the mix, you know, I mean, that's right. great. I think they potentially did get three starting linemen in the, my least favorite is probably the second rounder in Foskey. I, I watched him a lot and, and I, some people really love him and maybe I'm missing something about his game, but I you know something's kind of missing with Foskey to where I, I didn't really believe in him as a, as a top 50 guy. There was some things to like, but some people loved Foskey. Like, oh, maybe late round one. And he ended up going, you know, in the top 10 picks around two. I mean, this time last year, he was like, Oh, he's going to top 15. And I, I never did jumping jacks over him. I thought he's fine. You know, he's a powerful guy he fits in, but he's a second rounder, third rounder type. A little bit like Zach Harrison we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hope there's a lot more in the NFL and kind of just didn't quite get completely unlocked in the college game. Yeah, I mean, and edge rushers don't grow on trees, and they have traits. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I was looking yeah. for them, so they're going to go high. Absolutely. Let's finish this up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Matt, who ended up with Kalaji Kansi at pick number 19. Interesting pairing of uh, of defensive tackles there now for 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers alongside Vita Vea. They came back with Cody Mock in the second round, an offensive lineman, played tackle at North Dakota State, almost certainly an interior offensive lineman there for the Bucs in the NFL. Yaya Diaby, a really explosive defensive end from Louisville. Um, we've got, uh, is it? Servassier Dennis from Pittsburgh. I was like, thank God he's from Pittsburgh. So Matt, Servassier Dennis, fantastic. Great name. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Linebacker from Pittsburgh. Let's stop there. What's the scouting report on Servassier? Fifth round linebacker out of Pitt, Matt. He's fine. I think he's a backup slash, you know, third linebacker, maybe borderline starter, good special teamer. Hey, I root for my pick guys. They took two of them. Uh, I thought he was more of a sixth rounder, but you know we're splitting hairs here. Payne Durham, uh, the second fifth rounder for the Bucks here, is a really good blocker and and probably underrated receiver. You know, pro- I think he ran the slowest time at the combine of all the tight ends, and in a really good tight end class, it's easy to get lost. But on tape, a really good player out of Purdue. Absolutely. So I like Payne Durham there in the fifth round. Uh, Josh Hayes, Kansas State corner in round six. Trey Palmer, Nebraska wide receiver in round six. Thought he might even go uh, higher than that. And then Jose Ramirez to finish up the, the third sixth round selection, the final pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eastern Michigan, uh, outside linebacker, sort of a stand-up edge rusher, Jose Ramirez. Uh, overall, what would you think about this class? I think they got useful players. And the the key to this one, look, maybe, maybe another class with two, three. They might have got four starters if you count. Payne Durham. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Payne Durham's, you know, a, a starting wide tight end at some point in his career. Yeah. And you had little notes on all these guys that I agree with. I thought Palmer was more of a fourth or fifth. I mean, pure burner. Great. Jose Ramirez and Yaya Diaby went very far apart. And one of them has, you know, Diaby obviously has much better testing numbers, but they were two of my favorite edges. Um, you know, Ramirez was very productive. Diaby has great traits. So I think that they will be happy with those picks. You mentioned Durham. He'll play. I mean, whether he starts or not, he'll play. I mean, he's going to last in this league. Mock, I think, will also play. They've also had really good success with small school linemen. I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's an interior player, but they need help there as well. They get, uh, what's his face? The center comes back. That was missed all last year. So I think Mock will line up next to him. Hey, I'm rooting for Cansey. Hail to Pitt. But, I mean, he's small, and he has short arms. And I worry he might only be a passing down player, which is a high percentage of him. It ain't what it used to be. It's not like he's a designated pass rusher. And, boy, he couldn't be any different than Vita Vea. But I don't adore him. I wanted to like him more. Yeah, so he's got to hit as that third down interior rusher and be the monster that he was at Pittsburgh in the NFL. And then you have to decide what he is with an early down player is he an early down end he's not really long enough to really project there well too light too small can he hold up on the interior if you got a 350 pounder next to him maybe that's the thought where it's like well whatever he's an inside guy and we'll put him at three tech and we've got a nose tackle so we're not worried about it so maybe that's mm-hmm. the thought with Kalijah Kansi. so we'll see early down values is the biggest question there for Kansi, uh and and be a huge impact here for this draft class Jose Ramirez is an interesting one because you're so when you're 6'2, 242 out of Eastern Michigan, you're not going to go high, but he's so productive. So you're just hoping really? you know, you're like, hey, right. let's take a swing and see if he can continue to be this productive in the NFL and be that speed rusher. And Yaya Diaby is sort of uh just a big swing at a 6'3, 260 pound. I mean, this guy is super explosive in a straight line. Yes. He is really tight, like he can't turn the corner, but he shoots <laughs> gaps like nobody's business because he explodes out of his stance and um, so interesting player. He might even be a guy that starts on the outside, moves inside with Cansey, uh, and, and then you've Maybe. got like 
passing down explosive speed coming on the interior on those you know third and longs. I mean, they probably look at him and think, "Is he Jason Pierre-Paul?" You know, I'm like, "That's probably a stretch." But I mean, it, it, big, powerful, you know, base the end, and he can you know, set the edge on early downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a power, powerful guy. Um, Cancy, you mentioned it, and I think they even called him a DN when they went to the podium. Don't quote me on that, but I do not see him as Michael Bennett, uh, who they wanted Solomon Thomas to be in San Francisco. Like, I don't think he's that big power four, three end that goes inside because he doesn't have the length. However, I can envision a lot of sacks coming on stunts with Vita Vea. Vita Vea just wipes out the whole offensive line and he loops behind his butt and comes screaming up the middle. I mean, that could be a really productive tactic. And with the Cody mock pick, I think one of the things that really smart teams do is they go to the senior bowl and they draft the best lineman at the senior bowl no matter what school they came from, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cody Mock is one of those guys. Like Those guys just seem to hit in the NFL. Those day two picks, you're like, look, I don't know if he's perfect, but man, he just was a good college player, and he wrecked shop at the Senior Bowl. I'll Let's take it. You know, yeah. It's a pretty good hit right there, it seems like to me. No, I, I think they did a nice job, and you'll be happy you have a Cody Mock next year when you're quarterback hunting, and you know they didn't do a great job building the nest. This was much more defense, but... Um, yeah, I can understand it. I think it was a solid draft. I'd probably give it a B minus. Yeah, solid draft there. And it, like a lot of classes, you know, those first early picks got a hit. Kalijah Kansi is he a third down monster? It almost doesn't matter what he does on early downs if that's the case. Uh, my favorite True. pick is probably Cody Mock, their mid round two guy to get a starting yes. offensive lineman. Uh, runner up is is Payne Durham, who's probably a backup, wide tight end, but he'll, you know, he'll be a useful player for a long time probably to get a you know nearly round six like that pick. Yeah, I would go Mock and Ramirez as my two, you know, small school. Could work out well for them. Yeah, Ramirez is a fun one. He, mm-hmm. he can wash out of the league in two years, or he could be a guy who, you know, when Yaya Diaby moves inside to rush next to Kansi, he's runs on the field and, and is a speed rusher from the outside. Yeah, and a core special teamer in the meantime, you know. It's a six-round pick we're talking about. There we go. That is the NFC South. What are your thoughts on the NFC South? Let us know at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter, or make sure you stop by to the brand new YouTube page for Peacock and Williamson and drop a comment there and get your questions in for this week's mailbag as well. Next up the NFC North, as we blow through the 2023 draft class division divide division team by team. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.